0: Hey, help me welcome everybody tuning in online. We're so glad that you are with us today. Unless you're at the beach, in that case, we're jealous, and you know, just go back and swim, do whatever you're doing. I'm just kidding. We're glad that you're with us, and if you're, especially if you're new in the room, I want to introduce myself. I'm Russ. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I'm not the lead pastor, but I'm so glad that you're here. If, you, if you've if you come in for the first time, it can take courage to step into a new space, especially a big space, and I love that this is the kind of church where it doesn't matter how long you believed, if you believe, or if you used to believe, where you're at on your journey, this space is for you. And I'm so glad that you're here, I'm so glad that you're with us. And if you are stepping into this moment for the first time, you saw the bumper, we are in the middle of a series called Disrupted, and it's what we all know, but we kind of try to choose to forget, which is that the last few years, and even now still, have been disrupted years. Anybody feel that? It's it's disrupted uh, our economics, it's disrupted politics, it's disrupted the globe, it's disrupted, for some people, it's disrupted their faith, and we're taking a journey into, as followers of Jesus, I don't know about you, but I don't want to come out of the other side of this seasick, anemic, and withered. I want to come out of the other side of this flourishing and alive and strong. Anybody? (laughs) 11.15, are you strong this morning? You got it in you? And so we've been looking at this, and and there's been a lot of symptoms of this disruption. A lot of experts have talked about one of the things, maybe you've felt this, maybe you've noticed this. One of the symptoms of what John Eldridge calls the collective global trauma we've all experienced is that of just feeling tired. Anybody felt that? Like anybody just felt off, but you've not really known why? Uh, and, and that's one of the things that the experts and analysts are saying. That a lot of us are collectively, really, it's kind of a form of PTSD. We're feeling tired. Have you ever been so tired, maybe even so deliriously tired, that you've regretted something you've said or done? Not substance, but delirium. Anybody? I remember a few years ago, I was. Uh, I took a group of students to the mountains for a fall retreat when I was a youth pastor back in Atlanta, and. I was so tired. It was a great group of students. I am a youth pastor at heart forever. And so please do not get offended if you're a teenager in the room. But there were two girls on this trip that, can I just be honest? They were drama. Drama for your mama. Is that I don't, that's not that's stupid. I don't don't make me anything, but (laughs) like that. Diva just complaining about everything. And so don't judge me. I texted somebody as I was falling asleep, and I said, here's what I said: Teenage girls make me want to cuss. That's what I said. I don't mean that if you're a teenage girl in the room, but that's not the bad part. The bad part is what it auto-corrected to. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had a, like a really bad auto-correct, but this was a really bad auto-correct. It trumps your auto-correct. It auto-corrected from teenage girls make me wanna cuss to teenage girls make me wanna cuddle. And I, yeah, so I woke up in the morning to, to a. A forest of question marks, probably a thing, if I remember right, some profanity of, wait, what does that mean? And, and, and you canceled prison right away. I, it's, I just, so I had to, you know, explain, that is not what I texted. But things can get really shaky really fast when you live perpetually at depleted levels, can't it? We've been talking a lot about resilience. I love Winston Churchill said that fatigue makes cowards of us all. There's a danger, God did not create me and you to live in perpetual states, but I just raise, hand raised, crowd participation. If in the last week you have said, heard someone say, or thought the following, I just feel so tired. Anybody? Keep your hand up if you don't mind for a minute, you won't, you won't get muscle cramps, but we're gonna stretch your arm for just a minute. Can I be honest, sometimes my tired is not on the outside, but on the inside. Anybody else? Just like inside, you just feel off. It's like I don't know that I can take another bump in the road. Hand still up. Come on, guys. Where, where, where's your muscles at? With that hand still up, I want you to raise your other hand if you also lately have felt not just tired but overwhelmed. This is an encouraging room to be in this morning. Look, actually, this should encourage you. Look around. So if you have felt, al- some of you put your hands down. God, watch them. <laughs> I don't know look around. Just soak in the moment that you're not alone. You can put your hands down. Tired and overwhelmed. Is it safe to say collectively that's kind of where we're at as a society, as, as people? And the good news is Jesus, I don't know if he just saw this day coming or if he knows how we tend to be as human beings, but he spoke directly to this. At the end of a talk, in Matthew 11, in verse 28, I wanna read to you maybe the greatest thing you could hear all day. I know some of you have heard this, but can you just just sometimes approach Scripture with, with a freshness and, and and let it sink in like it's the first time you've ever heard it. Can we do that? And Matthew 11:28 says this. Jesus makes an invitation. It's an incredible invitation. And he says this, come to me. We can go ahead and put on the screen. Come to me, all you who are weary, so if you're tired, And burdened, so if you're overwhelmed, so everybody that just rose your hand, this invitation is on the table for you today. All who are weary and burdened, tired and overwhelmed, Jesus says, come to me and watch this. I just, you should just stand up and cheer and do 20 jumping jacks. I don't know. And I will give you rest. Anybody thankful for that today? I mean, what? Is there a better invitation for this day and age, for this moment? I will give you rest. In fact, let's just do this. Come on, some of you haven't practiced breathing in a while. It's like deep inhale through your nose and then exhale through your mouth slowly. Don't you kind of like just feel better already? Let's take it a step further. I want you to breathe. Put, put these two fingers by your thumb and do that. I'm kidding, calm down. But... <laughs> But Jesus, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Here's the only problem though. Anybody, you would never say this out loud, and as a pastor, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but have you ever, maybe not verbalized it, but under the surface, ever felt the following? God's promises may be a little bit of an exaggeration. We mm, yeah, got one honest person on the front row. The rest of you are like, oh, I could. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Absolutely. I think he's. But here's my problem I've come to Jesus before. And then by Tuesday, I'm still tired and weary. Anybody else? To the honest people in the room, have you ever noticed the disconnect between the power of God's promises and you come to Him on a Sunday or you come to Him in the morning, but later that day, no matter how inspiring the message was or great the worship was, or no matter how much mentally you believe it, there's a disconnect between what you're experiencing. Anybody honest? Like, that's a tension for me. I don't want to just talk about the good life of Jesus. I want to live the good life of Jesus. I don't want to just talk about peace. I want to swim in peace. I don't want to just say, well, joy of the Lord is my, I want to experience the joy of the Lord. I don't want to hear Jesus say that I can have an abundant life and life to the full. I want to live life to the full. And so what's the disconnect? And I think, maybe this is embarrassing, but as a pastor, I think I'm just now as a follower of Jesus beginning to see maybe what the disconnect is. Is, and it's, if we keep reading the next verse. So it's the, here's the next part of the verse. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So Jesus says, I have something I wanna teach you. For I am gentle, and some of you think God's harsh. He says, no, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will, come on, another great promise, find rest for your souls. Not just for your body, but for your soul. Anybody like need a deep soul rest? He says, You'll find rest. But see, it says, Take my yoke upon you. I think this is one of those verses, to be honest, that you, you know the verses in church that we fake it and pretend like we understand, and we're like, oh, that's so good. I think it's one of those. Anybody like me just for years thought this meant scrambled egg right on my face. <laughs> no? Y'all know what that? I think we, we nod along, but it says, take my yoke. And yoke is an agricultural term for that day and age, which was literally just a wooden beam between two animals to help the animals carry the load. Here's what Jesus is saying. Come to me and you'll find rest. How? Take my way of doing life, and then you will find rest for your souls. Have you seen this? I think Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, the message paraphrase gives us an even clearer picture. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. Anybody need that today? Anybody just need to recover your life? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Jesus wants to show you how to take a real rest. Anybody like me just been been waking up at one a.m. every morning for no? Okay, I'll talk to therapist later. Learn the unforced. This is one of my favorite phrases in all scripture. The can we say this together? The unforced rhythms of grace. Are you seeing it? Here's what I think I miss all my life. Because until like 50 to, I don't know, 100 years ago in the church in general, they knew that it's not enough to believe the right things and behave the right way if you didn't live how Jesus lived. Okay, here's what he's saying. The rest is connected to the rhythms. The power is connected to the practices. It doesn't matter how many hours you spend in the morning or at church if the rhythms of the rest of your week are creating stress and noise and anxiety and burnout. Jesus learned the rhythms of grace. You you know, Jesus had rhythms. You, You read that as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. So church was a weekly rhythm for Jesus. It wasn't an option. It was a weekly rhythm. Sabbath, rest was a rhythm for Jesus. Fasting was a normal rhythm for Jesus. When he got stressed, he would binge Netflix like me. Or he would go to the mountain and he would get alone in solitude and silence to replenish. It was a rhythm. Jesus had rhythms and way before all the modern authors started writing writing about like Charles Duhigg the power of habit and James Clear atomic habits And, and, and long before we found out that first we form our habits and our habits form us Jesus is introducing us to something that's both powerful and practical and it's this the overall rhythm and structure of the habits of my life aren't just forming my schedule they're forming my heart you have a rhythm you know that right I have a rhythm. I have a rhythm of evening routine and morning routine and how I use my smartphone and how I use social media and my health and my nutrition and and exercise and all of those are rhythms that the old saints used to call it a trellis, a rule of life. It's that thing that if you know plants, it's a structure that allows plants to grow on the garden. And I think a long time ago, we got so turned off by the the legalistic practices of if you don't read your Bible for two hours every morning, you're going to die and burn in hell and the smoke of the torment is going to be toast for the end, I don't know. But I think we've gone so far in the other direction, we've gotten away from structures and practices and rhythms that create peace and joy and life. And here's the deal, in a disrupted world, more than ever, you and I need to integrate rhythms that while the world gets noisier and noisier and busier and busier and more and more stressed, we stay more and more connected to the source of nourishment of God, of peace and joy and rest and strength. Have you ever thought to yourself, what are your rhythms? What are your rhythms? And there's a whole lot of books on spiritual disciplines, and we're actually going to recommend a book at the end, but can I just just be personal today and and share with you just three simple rhythms that have been changing my life? And is that okay? Just talk to you from my own journey, my own heart, and for the perfectionist in the room, for the person in the room that gets overwhelmed, can I just encourage you right off the bat? Just pick one. Pick one rhythm I mentioned today that hopefully will resonate with you. And, and if one of them does, just pick one and put it in to practice. And so I want to share with you three rhythms that have been changed my life. Rhythm number one, are you ready? 11.15? You good? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just looked out at one person. I don't know. Um, uh, rhythm number one is rest. I can't be resilient if I'm depleted. And so I need to put into my, anybody like me, just right off the bat, you're horrible at rest. Anybody like me, just chronic, my, I remember as a, as a kid, my mom, used to, from an earliest age, was like, "Rush, you don't know how to sit still. Some of you are like, I know that, I can tell that when I, it's cute when you're four, but not cute when you're 24, like I am. But I, I, it's always been a thing for me. But uh, several years ago, I just kind of went through a crash, to be honest. And I thought God wanted to talk to me about different areas of my life. But really what God showed me is that my soul wasn't healthy because my rhythms weren't healthy. And I was going too fast to actually examine my own life. And th- there's this crazy story of these people um, in a remote island where Americans went to visit them and try to clean up a wreck. And they traveled for day after day after day. And one day, they, the, the islanders stopped uh, moving And the, the Americans asked them, said, well, why won't you get up? None of your people, none of this tribe will get up and keep going. And the islanders responded back. They said, we're waiting for our soul to catch up. But some of us long ago stopped waiting for our soul to catch up. And so we long ago lost our souls. And we wake up one day with damage and wreckage because we've been going 50 miles with uh, the engine light blinking and no gas, and the tires are popped. And we wonder one day why we're assessing the damage we're assessing when God put a bumper on us called the Sabbath. So I just want you to close your eyes for a minute and just picture this before you just tune me out. Picture in your mind you are waking up one day this week and you don't set an alarm. Some of you are smiling already. I see you, you're smiling. I'm not trying to hypnotize you, I promise. Keep your eyes closed. That'd be fun, though. That'd be really fun. That's, I'm gonna make a note for another day. Um, but you are not setting an alarm. You're not doing any work this day. You are not feverishly addicted to and answering texts. You actually spend time with the people you love and you laugh you eat your favorite foods, you go to your favorite restaurant, maybe you even get out in nature and take a walk and the the news is not affecting you, social media is not affecting you, you start connecting deeply with God and somewhere along the course of that day, you feel almost like the shoulders of your soul just relax and you catch your breath. Okay, now open your eyes. I can tell you that is the gift Slash command throughout the entire scripture that God wants me and you to step into every single week, and it's called the Sabbath. Pastor Jim calls it a soul day. If we we have longer messages back, if you want to go back to the soul work series, he talked about a soul day. But I just want to tell you over the last six or seven years, this practice has been changing my life. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then he reminded them, when I created the world, I worked for six days, and then on the seventh day, I rested and I Sabbathed. He said, I am bringing you out of Egyptian slavery where you are human doings, and you're gonna take a day a week to remember that you're not a human doing, you're a human being. You're gonna, anybody ever been super annoyed when the Wi-Fi doesn't work? If it's not on your phone, what do they tell you to do? Unplug and replug the Wi-Fi. God, who wired you and knows our bodies, minds, souls, and spirits better than we do, said you need a day a week to hit reset on the Wi-Fi of your soul, to hit refresh. He said, "Well, we're not under the old covenant law. I, I get that, but can I tell you a secret? You and I tend to think that the rest of the Ten Commandments are a really good idea, <laughs> like don't go around killing people and stealing and robbing and murdering and 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 cheating on our spouses." Like. This isn't just a, a command, an old law thing. This is a principle that goes throughout all of Scripture. Did you know, by the way, this isn't, God didn't just wire human beings this way. He designed the land this way. There are, in secular circles, people who know that the seventh year, the land needs to rest for the soil to grow and heal because God has got of rhythms and he created a rhythm for me and you to step into. And pe- people will ask all the time, okay, so, you know, Pastor what do you do on your Sabbath? I'll tell you a little bit of what I do, but first, let me just tell you, I think more important is what you don't do on your Sabbath because the word Sabbath, you know what it means? It literally means to cease. Say this out loud. I need to cease. Not to exist, but you need to take a day a week. I need to take a day a week, and I, if I could, I would plead and persuade everybody in this room to join me on this journey and I'm still not good at it. I'm, it's, just, it's a journey for me. It's not a legalistic thing. It's, it's an experiment to enjoy every week. But I have, in the words of Pastor Timothy, I have pre-decided that the busier the world gets, the more I am going to plant into the rhythms of my life rest that restores my soul. So what do you do? Sabbath. What do you, the question is, if it's Sabbath to cease, what do you cease? Can I give you rest rules? Again, I'm not imposing this. You don't have to do this. You do whatever the heck you want to. But if any of these resonate with you, if it helps to get practical, because we've got a lot of practical people in the room that love practicalities, amen? Yeah. Practical people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> practical people aren't always that loud. Um, here are Russ's rules. For 24 hours a day, so my Sabbath is not on Sundays because Sundays is kind of day of, uh, of work for me. For me, it's Saturday. And it changes sometimes if there's an emergency or there's some, but, but once a week, I am taking a soul day. And here are my rules for 24 hours. Number one is this, No social media. Some of you panicked, and some of you just took a deep breath. I need, so I delete the app off my phone, all the apps, and for 24 hours I am not touched by comparison, by FOMO, by addictives, endless scrolling. For 24 hours, I am removing the temptation of social media and to not be present to the world and the beauty of what God's put around me and the people in front of me. Here's the second rule for there's a the second of rest rules. No news. Somebody say, glory to God. For 20, and I I pick up Pastor Zach because he's Mr. News guy. So when we're in group text, me, Pastor Tim, and Pastor Zach, and he sends a link, and I'm really tempted to see the craziest thing the president or the former president said or what's going on in Ukraine or what new disease is going on or what's happening to this. I say, no, because you and I, the science is in that we were not designed to have in our pockets 24-7 streaming access to every crisis of the world. And I need one day a week to remind my soul I'm not God. And the world will go on, and I need to get in tune with me. Number three is no YouTube or Netflix. Oh, whoa. So that's where it hit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pick up my cross and follow him. But no, YouTube or Netflix, they've got to draw a line somewhere. For me, this is just me. Again, I'm not saying you have to do this. YouTube for me is like, what, what's the potato chip thing? Once you stop, you can't pop. I keep saying it wrong. <laughs> what's, once you pop, you top. No. Once <laughs> you pop, you just get, whatever it is. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't just eat one potato chip. Anybody like me, YouTube, long, spiraling, black rabbit hole. Can't just hit one. Oh, you bunch of lying Pharisees. All of y'all are the same. (laughs) You can't just do one YouTube. It gets you to another one, gets you to another one. And so I stay off of it. Netflix, for me, my soul day is a day to really try to get off my phone altogether if I can. I know this makes you panic. I just panicked at first when I was trying this because I'm not good at rest naturally. I heard Blaise Pascal, this old French philosopher, maybe you've heard this, he said, all of the world's problems stem from man's inability to sit alone in a room quiet for 15 minutes. That makes me so angry because I am so bad, I, like I can't do it. But I, I'm telling you, this practice has been changing my life. And so what do I do? I, well, it's going to look different for everybody. I, I'm single. Some of you have, one of my buddies that lives in Dallas, he's married, demanding job, three small kids. So they've made it something that um, is something the whole family, just like it still is in Israel, the whole family looks forward to. They make a big dinner one night and they kill all their devices and technology and they, the next day they wake up and make pancakes together. He says now it's getting complicated because the kids are getting in sports. It's, it's not a legalistic thing, but they, they've made it something the family looks forward to. If you, uh, I forget what the pastor is, but he said if during the week you work with your mind, and Sabbath with your hands. So if you're stuck to a computer screen, maybe you want to get out in the garden, you want to Do whatever. Here's what I'm telling you. It will change your life. And for me, what do you do on the Sabbath? If that's what you don't do, what do you do? I'll show you very clearly. You want to see it? What do you do? Hello? All right, here we go. Here's what you do on the Sabbath. Oh, by the way, I have one last rest rule. No work. That's what scripture is really clear about. So no emails. Don't be that guy that if there's an emergency, you don't communicate with your team, and they're like, hey, can you do this? Sorry, Sabbath. Don't be that guy or that girl you got to figure out what works in your context. Even Jesus got his donkey out when there was an emergency. You've got to pre-decide what are emergencies, what aren't, blah, 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 blah. It, this, we could talk forever about it. The details, the, the, the point is to commit to the process and fall in love with it. Right. And let God restore your soul. Here's what you do on the Sabbath. Are you ready? Here it is. Vayanaphish. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Vayanaphish, what does that mean? This is the beautiful word that is used in Hebrew when it says God rested, and you know what it literally means? When it says God rested on the Sabbath, it means God refreshed his soul. What do you do on the Sabbath? Whatever refreshes your soul. Have fun. Enjoy God. My mom used the word piddle. So I get up in the mornings, I don't set the alarm, and I piddle. <laughs> I piddle around the house. I make coffee. I, I and that sounds weird, but I even clean sometimes a little therapeutically. On, on a, and, and then I go into the city because I love the city, and I... Uh, you know, I'll read and write, and then I'll go to Schiller Park and go for a run and just walk. i fall in love with walks. I'll leave my phone literally when I go out to eat or when I go on walks in the car. I know, panic attack. But with it out of sight, I begin to like, it's something weird. I'm telling you, I had the craziest adventures, by the way, on my Sabbath. A couple years ago during quarantine, I literally... Um, went to Yellow Springs because I was just getting stir crazy and so I started going from town to town to town in Ohio and I literally ended up accidentally stealing the table that Dave Chappelle sits at in a coffee shop and had a weird interaction with Dave Chappelle and I I left that day and I thought, how cool. Um, this would not have happened if I didn't have a Sabbath, but because I've i I've ionophished in Yellow Springs, and I can sit here today and stand here today and tell you that because i buy i I sold Dave Chappelle's table, and so I'm going to keep i <laughs> Because, <laughs> whoa, nice, right, slow down. Here's, here's the other thing, the, mo- the more beautiful thing, is I began at some point during Sabbath to catch my breath. It's like I. It's like at some point during the day when I do it, it's like my heart rate comes down. Mm, Wouldn't that be great? And I begin to feel this weird thing that maybe I haven't tasted in a while called peace, joy. I I start getting convicted because you know what else happens to me almost every Saturday is I slow down long enough to remember conversations and, and little things I said and little frustrated ways that I responded and I get convicted about the petty things that I've worried about and the trivial things and the way I spoke too harshly to that person because when you slow down, you love deeper. That there's something that the, theologians call the pace of God. Jesus walked. And something, I, I began to richly connect with God. I begin to examine my life. I begin to get in, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, now more than ever, the crazier the world gets, the noisier the world gets, the more I am absolutely, for me, I can't speak for you, I am pre-deciding to every single week, I don't care what's going on, I am planting the flag of the rhythm of Sabbath and a soul day in my life. That is, the world gets crazier and crazier and noisier and noisier and busier and busier. I'm gonna become a non-anxious present in the world that exudes joy and peace and strength and stability and Christ-likeness. And I encourage you to join me on the journey. So number one is rest. Number two is recreate. Now, some of you are not going to find this spiritual enough, and that's okay. I won't spend that much time here, but I want you to write something really important in your notes right now. Write down, fun is spiritual. Fun is spiritual. Pastor Russ, that's not spiritual. Reading the Bible is spiritual and praying is spiritual. when you're really somber and in, in church, that's spiritual. See, I think that's part of our problems. We fragment part of our lives from God. But I didn't tell God I would give him the serious little disciplines. I told him I would give him my whole life. And hello, God is the one that created joy, created laughter, created beauty, created fun. And I don't wanna give him part of my life. I wanna invite him into all of my life. And by the way, we are mind, body, soul, and spirit. So if you're taking medication, I'm so glad I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, look, I, I, I upped my medication for what I'm going through and anxiety. And I said, that's great. And I had enough relational rapport to say this to this person. I said, that's wonderful. Thank God we're in a time and age where it is no longer taboo uh, to talk about mental illness. Thank God we're in a time and age where it's no longer taboo that if you need to adjust a chemical imbalance through medication, you can do that and not be judged for it. But on the flip side, I think we've become a little too trigger happy to just jump to that than to realize that we are holistic beings, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the statistics are in that exercise and laughter and community, these things alleviate and help fight depression and anxiety And if you don't believe that your soul and mind and body and spirit are connected, then you try bearing the fruit of the spirit of patience on two hours of sleep. It's connected. The other day, I went to um, a Clippers game a few Sundays ago. Anybody been to the Clippers lately? All right. That was a a little warm response. um, I, I love baseball, and they asked me to go on a Sunday, and I went. And I'm just telling you, it was the most beautiful, perfect, sunny day. You know those perfect like summer evenings. It was perfect, and I was with some of my friends. We laughed. I mean, you, you, you know the times you laugh so hard with your friends you just like your stomach hurts. It was like one of those. I can't talk about it long. I'm gonna start laughing because I remember it was so funny. And I was, and it just was. It was just so soul filling. And then the, the, we were about to leave the game, and I told them, "Wait, we can't stop here." It was a Sunday night. I said, "I just remembered, Torchy's Tacos is now in Columbus." Now your silence is condemning for you because we have as a city, as a society, suffered without good tacos for a long time. And my favorite taco shop from like Denver and Dallas has now come to Columbus. And I said, we've got to go there. They said, where is it? I said, it's in Polaris. They said, it's too far. And I'm just smart. Like I said, oh, is that is, is it too far? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess we'll just go home and crawl in bed at 7 p.m. and have our Earl Grey teas since we're all 99 years old. (laughs) I said, no, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We're going to Polaris and we're gonna get us some tacos until our stomachs hurt. And by God, we did. We drove all the way to Polaris. We ate until I was in a food coma, food buzz. I texted somebody on the way home and they said, "Uh, Russ, you sound, have you had a little bit to drink? I said, I just had sparkling water, but I'm just gonna be honest, I feel high on life. And here's how you know you're high. Here's how I know I'm high in life, because I'm more of like a punk rock music person. I'm more, you know, like the, I mean, when I'm not listening to worship, okay? But like punk rock, whatever. And here's how I knew I was feeling good. I said, "Turn on early 2000s country." I said, "Right now, we're driving home." I said, "I need to hear Travis Tritt, and it's a great day." T-. Okay, fizzled out. Okay. When was the last time you just you got home and just felt full? You know? You say that's not very spiritual. No, you need to prioritize that. You say oh that's a luxury. Tell that to yourselves when they die but keep recreating. Yep. And some of us are deteriorating because we're not recreating. I had a friend that hung out with a very influential Christian leader one time and he said, "What is the?" and this is when all these Christian leaders are beginning to fall morally and not just Christian leaders but CEOs and businessmen and women and he said, what is the common denominator you're noticing? I'm expecting him to say they don't pray enough, they don't fast enough, they don't do this and all those things are important. You know what he said was the common denominator over the last 50 years of leaders that fall morally is they didn't have a hobby. Why? Because we're mind, body, soul, and if the pressures of life, if the disruptions of life press in on you far enough, if you don't have a redemptive outlet, you'll find a destructive outlet. For me, it's the gym. I mean, you know, like, it's, obviously, nah, come on. But no, I mean, it's, I mainly don't work out to feel good. I work out because it's good for my mental and emotional health, and it's a good anchor and outlet at the end of a stressful day. You say, well, Jesus didn't really talk a lot about exercise. That's because Jesus, experts say, walk 20 miles a day. Before the end of each day, he had clocked in 45,000 steps on his Apple watch. <laughs> Not to mention they didn't have all the sugar and processing. Gee, are, your mental, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I need to recreate it. Beauty, I've been looking at what does it look like to, and this a topic for another time, but You know, they've they've done statistics, Gina would know this, in hospital systems. Did you know, this is crazy, hospital patients with a window view of beauty and nature heal twice as fast as hospital patients with a window view of the parking lot? Because healing has a restorative nature, it's slow and restorative. We don't like our souls to be restored. We would rather have our flesh be relieved. But if you don't have a healthy outlet... And so recreate, it's more spiritual than we know, and then finally remain. If I am going to nourish my body with recreation, I need to nourish my soul with deep, dynamic, life-giving intimacy with the God who made me. You do know you were not imagined by God to just eke out a nine-to-five existence and go about your way or even to be a good little church person who's behaved. No, God imagined and designed us for life-giving intimacy, that he would be the air that we breathe and we would have a supernatural, dynamic, miracle-working relationship with him where we enjoy him and experience him, and he becomes the nap and, and the sap and the nourishment for our souls. And there's a few rhythms of how to remain, number one, you're here, so you've already done this, is to be in church every week. And you're like, "Well, that's preaching to the crowd. I I know that, but let's just be honest, the stats are in that frequency of church attendance was low before the pandemic. It was like once or twice a week, and now it's even lower. And I know everybody has different work schedules, and you got vacation, please go on vacation. We're the most under-vacation country in the world. That's hurting us. But can I just tell you something that's been life-changing for me is I decided a long time ago that church is not gonna be an option, it's gonna be a rhythm. And don't we know, we know this, there's something irreplaceable about coming in this place and seeing each other. And uh, podcasts are great, but that's a supplement. But coming in here to sit under the live teaching and leadership of the place and the people that God has put you under to plant yourself in community, to pray for each other, to serve each other, to be in corporate worship with the corporate presence of God, where God says, I'm gonna, there, there's something irreplaceable about it, and we know that. Here, a second rhythm is this here's something God's just been speaking to me about. Can I just tell you, it's been challenged, what God has been challenging me with when it comes to remain? Is I feel like, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, where you can visit a passage, visit church, but then later be experiencing something else, going back to that disconnect. You know what I feel like God's been challenging me with? Russ, you're good at visiting. You're not good at abiding. John 15 says this. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Another, so you thought I was just saying remain because it's alliteration. No, remain See, probably you've heard this verse before. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. You know how I always read that? Visit Jesus from time to time and I'll bear fruit. But he didn't say, if you visit me occasionally, give me the afterthoughts of a Sunday. Hey, maybe say a little prayer throughout the week. Jesus loves me and you so much and desires us so much, he invites us to swim in the waters of his life, to not just visit him. Here's what I wanted to say on my gravestone one day. I don't want it to say Russ was a a good preacher or a good whatever, you know what I would love it to say? Russ was a man who walked with God. I don't want to visit God, I want to walk with God. And Jesus says, when you abide with me, not just like visit me from time to time, when you abide with me, you'll bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. Come on, say it with me. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Oh, I want that fruit spilling out of my life. How about you? So here's just something practical for anybody that wants to try this. Um, I've been reading John Eldridge's book, Resilient and Get Your Life Back. Pastor Tim mentioned him. He's got a one minute, it's free, a one minute pause app. I wanna show you. And I literally, in fact, can we go to the next slide? I have the QR code. For anybody in the room that loves practical, you can take a picture of this right now. Here's what it does. You can set up time. I set up 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. And it will send you a reminder. And you can choose one minute, three minutes, or five minutes. You say, Pastor, does one minute make a difference? Well, can one minute ruin your day? well, then one minute can reorient you and quiet your heart in the presence of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's changing my life to have devotions in the morning. And then at 11 a.m., it takes you, it like shows you a waterfall and it takes you through a simple guided prayer. You know what it says? God, I give everyone and everything to you. What if you pause five times a day to reorient your perspective and spirit? I give everyone and everything to you. Now fill me, God, with more of you. You know what's been happening in my life? Not only have I felt this literally, I'm telling you, I'm serious, change me, but I've also, when the pause app doesn't send an alert, I've I've started onboarding these prayers kind of by default. This is the power of habit, this is the power of rhythms. I've been praying throughout the day when I get triggered or I get get frustrated or I get stressed, God, I'm finding myself stopping more often these days saying, no, before my mind goes out of control, God, I give everyone, that person that's driving me crazy, that person I'm worried about, everything, the doctor's report, this report. I stop, and I give everyone and everything to you. And it's changing me. And so I remain in God by being planted in church. I remain in God by planting pauses throughout the day. And then I remain by planting myself in a chair. I love this chair. This is my favorite chair. I bought a, you don't care about this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. When I moved from Atlanta about four years ago, I bought this chair set with table and a whole, like, apartment set. And, and this is an end table I bought. Um, somebody gave me this when I first moved here, Fox in the Snow. It's my favorite coffee mug. It's big. I love it. I thought about bringing my pour-over set for coffee, but I fi- figured you'd make fun of me and this is my scripture, and my highlighter, and this is the highlight of my day, every day. I'm not saying that to brag, that'd be like bragging, and I eat meals every day. (laughs) This is the highlight of my day, is that I plant myself in a chair. I love pauses, I love church, But I'm telling you nothing replaces unrushed time with God to open his word and let his word open me, to journal, to process, to pray, to hear. And so I do it in this chair. I get up, this is my chair. People ask, well, what do you do? And I I try to, I kind of get weary or or leery of trying to give formulas because it takes discipline. You need to pre-decide, but at the same time, if duty doesn't eventually turn to delight, you'll give up. So I tell people, find a rhythm you enjoy. For me, I I make a a worship playlist of my favorite worship songs. I get up in the morning, I make the best pour over coffee you've ever had in your life, I'm not gonna brag. And then I open this book and here's my Bible reading plan. I ask them, just again, for the practical people in the room to put it on the platform or to put it on the screen. This is my reading plan. And if you wanna Google it later, all you have to type in is five-day Bible reading plan. It's five days a week. It takes an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse. It has Psalms in there every day. And it just takes you through the Bible. And even if you only do this five days a week, 15 minutes at a time, you will have read through all of Scripture in a year. And again, I'm not legalistic about it. I I, I do this every day, but I, I love the space of five days a week because sometimes I will stop at a verse that's speaking to me. I'll camp out there for a whole morning. And I switch it up. I... Sometimes my mind is so racing from the day before that before I even open scripture, I just quiet my heart and I'll pray something as simple as, come Holy Spirit. Lord, more than checking off a box, I need to experience your presence. Would you come meet with me? And so I'll I'll use my highlighter and I'll highlight things off. I was reading the other day. I love to pray scripture. I love to make it personal. You know that story the other day where the man with leprosy stretched out his hand before Jesus? I so resonated with that that I just I just began praying that. I just began because I'm a pacer, you probably can picture this. And I just start walking. I've fallen in love with walks, by the way, and since quarantine. Anybody else? Not a human being in the room, okay. But I have, and there's a lot of stats about how healthy it is. So I'll just go on a prayer walk. and I just start praying? Jesus, if the leprous man can stretch out his hand in your presence and the withered hand can become whole, then right now, today, by faith, I'm stretching out my life before you. I'm stretching out my mind before you. I'm stretching out everything in my body that I'm worried about. I'm stretching out my soul, my finances, my relationships, my future. I am bringing it before you. That's what happens sometimes in this chair. Other times, can I tell you? There's sometimes in this chair that I feel nothing. So, for those of you that think, oh, you're a pastor, so it must always be glorious. Now, there there are days I get in this chair and I feel numb. I don't even know what to say. And I just say, God, I'm not really sure what to say today. But I'm here, I'm in the chair. Maybe I can just enjoy you. Maybe you have something to say. There's sometimes in this chair, I mean, in this chair, God has spoken to me, plans for my life. In this chair, God has healed things in me. In this chair, God has revealed his word. In this, you know what happens in this chair? Roots of resilience grow. Even when the goosebumps aren't there, my faith grows little by little. Remember last week, hello? When I get in this chair every day, whether I feel like it or not, my intimacy with God deepens. There are sometimes, can I be honest? There are sometimes I get in this chair and I don't feel like I deserve to be in the chair. Uh, maybe I should admit this as a pastor. There are times I get in this chair and I say, maybe you said something like this God, you know that thing I said I wouldn't do again? I did it again. I said it again. I acted that way again. And I'll be honest, the guilt and shame makes me feel like I don't even deserve to be in the chair. I don't really know if I want to be in the chair. I don't know why you would want me to be in the chair, but your word says to keep returning to you and coming to you, so I'm in the chair because your word says that a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up the eighth. Your word says that your mercies are new and fresh every morning, and besides all that, like Peter said, where else am I gonna go? So I am back in the chair, and to be honest, God, I am sick and tired of praying this prayer, but I'm praying it anyways one more time. God, would you touch me and forgive me and cleanse me and create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, and don't cast me away from your presence, but whatever you do in this empty, weary, tired, burdened soul. Would you restore unto me the joy of your salvation? The other week I had an off day and I ran for an hour and wrote for two hours and it was not my Sabbath, but it was not off day. And I still did work, church work for several hours. This is not a humble brag. I'll tell you where I'm going in a second. And then I ended the day with working out. And it was the longest, craziest go, 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 go day. And maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I sat down. And you know the thought, the first thought that hit me when I sat down? Russ, you're such a failure. Mmm. You ever have voices like that? Hello? Anybody ever feel like no matter what you do, it's never gonna be good enough? You're never gonna rise above? You're never gonna get your crap together? You're never gonna? And I almost audibly, in this chair, It's like I heard God say, it's it's like the Mary-Martha situation, you know, where Mary was at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, soaking in the presence of Jesus, enjoying Jesus. But Martha was so worried and distracted and busy and preoccupied. And Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried. I, I almost heard audibly God in this chair say, Russ, Russ, you are worried and upset about so many things. But only a few matter, indeed one, and you're doing it. What am I saying? I'm saying this, my life has been changed and is being changed in this chair. And maybe if you don't hear anything else that I say, I have a simple question for everybody in this room. Where's your chair? Where are you and God meeting every day? Say, I don't even know what to say. That's okay, say that. God, I don't know what to say. Prayer is simply talking to God out of your heart. Here's for the, the practical people in the room. Just find a spot you enjoy that you actually look forward to. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's, you know what I've been doing? And Anybody love how the summer mornings have been cool recently? They they probably think I'm crazy in my apartment. I have been taking this chair and this end table outside of my apartment and because I'm trying to practice this whole thing of like beauty and nature. And sometimes when they're mowing the grass, it's infuriatingly annoying. But... Um, I've been going outside and just sitting out there. I look forward to it. Where's your chair? Maybe you used to have a chair, but it's been a while and God wants you to know he is not sending judgment your way. He just wants you to know he misses you and loves you and desires to reveal himself to you and fill you and replenish you and refresh you. Just stand to your feet. I wanna lead us Kind of going back to the app, the, the, the pauses throughout the day. Because, by the way, that's, that's what, for thousands of years, they, they, they called it different things, but they, they would call it the daily office. It's kind of that whole idea of David three times a day would pray, and Daniel three times a day would pray. And, and so whether you call it a pause or a daily office or whatever it is, like, your life and my life will change if we just abide in Jesus. And there's guided prayers, and they're really simple on the app. But I actually wrote out a guided prayer that I would love us as a community to pray together. Is that okay? Yes. Can we do that? No one leaving. I want us to pray this together as a church family. And, and here it is. Can we pray this out loud? Jesus, can we, let's pray it together out loud. Jesus, tired and burdened, I come to you. I bring my full heart into your presence. God, I give everyone and everything to you. By faith, I receive your peace. Give me the grace and wisdom to know the rhythms you would have for my life. Empower me to shift my whole life towards you. Teach me, Jesus, the unforced rhythms of grace. I need you. Thank you. I'll worship you. In Jesus' name, and amen. Can we just breathe that in? Jesus, we breathe in your peace today. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed, just tell them. Say, Lord, I receive the invitation and I come to you. Lord, one moment in your presence really can change everything. God, we know the whole point of these rhythms is relationship. The point of the rhythms isn't the rhythms. The point of the rhythms, Jesus, is you. You. That we need more of you in our lives. And I wonder today, every head bowed, every eye closed, would somebody be bold enough just to raise their hand as a symbol to say, I need God to refresh me. I need peace. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm burning. Come on, hands high, that's you. I need that. And today, I am, as a symbol of faith, raising my hands to say, I need him. With hands raised, can you just put your palms up? like facing up, just as a symbol that you're receiving. So Lord, I speak today to everyone that's weary. I speak today to everyone that is just burdened with life. And Jesus, by faith, I pray healing over every wound. I pray refreshment over every weary, dry well. We say God Fill us today. We need more of you, less of us, less of the noise of the world, more of your voice whispering into the ears of our souls. We need your presence, God. This is a disrupted world, and it's disrupting me. But, God, would you plant me like an oak would you fill me with peace and joy and strength? Would you teach me your rhythms? Lord, I speak peace in Jesus' name to every tormented soul in this room The troubled waters would still now in your presence. You promise joy unspeakable in the Holy Spirit. You promised peace incomprehensible. You said in John 10 that the reason you came is not that we would be depleted and lethargic and tired and weary, but that we would have life and have it to the full. Help us be full people in a disrupted world, at peace, full of your power, full of your spirit. In Jesus' name, and amen, amen. Can we celebrate his presence in the room? Come on thanks so much for tuning into this message I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith if God is doing something in your life would you take a moment and let us know we want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you all you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms and if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message Why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.